You are now tuned in to the Financial Advisors Playbook, sponsored by Carson Group. Through coaching and guidance, we make the complex simple for advisors who are in the trenches today. Each episode, we'll cover a new topic which focuses on the future of our profession and the ways in which you can achieve growth with balance. Thank you for joining us on our latest episode of the Financial Advisors Playbook. I'm your host, Katie Worth, Senior Business Development Consultant at Carson Group. I'm Mina Burns, our VP of Marketing for Carson Group. I'm excited to talk about our topic today, which is all about marketing. It's my favorite topic because obviously it's what I do for my career, but it's also something I'm really passionate about. I've noticed with financial advisors, marketing is one area that they absolutely love, but just don't have time to focus on. So I think everyone's really going to enjoy today's podcast. I think so too. It's one of my favorite topics. I remember... Uh, walking the halls of UNL, that's our uh, alma mater, uh, go Huskers. Go Huskers. <laughs> but seeing you in the business college, going to those marketing classes, from there though, like where did you uh, first get your job in marketing? So, um, you know, I, I kind of fell into marketing by coincidence. I I started in school as a Spanish major and wasn't sure how I wanted to use my degree and had taken some business classes and was really drawn to marketing because it combined strategy, it combined business acumen, it combined creativity, um, all the things that I really liked. And I thought, this is what I want to do. So I switched my majors and I wanted to really utilize my degree. I found my first job. I was, I was, had to get out of Nebraska for a little bit. Um, And so I just looked all over the country for jobs. I was open to moving anywhere. And I found a job at a marketing firm in Las Vegas. So I moved there, and it was a great first start in my marketing career. Um, I learned all aspects of marketing, had really in-depth training, and six months into my job, got my first client. And we were really focused on casino marketing. What's great about that as it applies to my career today is it included all of the marketing tactics we do with in-depth analytics so I knew what was working what wasn't working and I could apply that to financial services Um, so that's kind of how I I fell into marketing it's something that I've done my whole professional career and I don't see myself ever changing that I love marketing that's so funny that you used to work with casinos so it's about actually wasting your money rather than saving your money now that's a good point you know I have to say that part of the reason I decided to get out of it is um, Casino marketing really encourages people to spend all of their money at the casinos. And when I see the data and analytics, when they say the house always wins, that sure is accurate. Um, I kind of started getting this moral dilemma of sending the highest offer and redemptions to people who, you know, were were hitting up the casinos every single day. Um, and, you know, hearing the personal stories from the properties of, you know, some of their, their best individuals who had come in were, you know, it was really tearing apart the family, some of the problems that they were having. So I started having a moral moral dilemma in my career working there. And that's what made me consider looking at a marketing job outside of casino marketing. And that's why you're such a great fit with our firm, because we're all about values and really focusing on the end client and making sure that our marketing then reflects what they're looking for in financial advisors. Right, and I think why financial advisors, the majority of them, end up getting into this profession is they say they want to help people. 
And I think that's what's really great about what we do is we're, at the end of the day, understanding how our particular role at this firm is impacting the end client. We're all about the client experience, and we can help advisors carve out a really good client experience. Yeah, start with the client experience, work backwards from there. And You sound like Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, you've got to go to the geniuses to get the brilliant ideas. Uh, but that's why I love marketing, because it's really basically anything, right? Mm-hmm. Just getting your name out there and and sharing your value proposition right. to intrigue people to reach out to you. Marketing encompasses so many different things, and it really helps firms with multiple goals. So whether that's brand awareness, whether it's driving more referrals, whether it's um, leveraging your existing client base to expand business with them, um, some of it they have great brand recognition, but there's misconceptions about their brand in the marketplace. So they need to do, you know, some campaigns to shift that. Marketing does so many different things for businesses: expanded center, centers of influence, relationships. Um, so that's what I like is being able to touch multiple aspects. There's so many different tactics we can deploy when it comes to marketing. Um, so if you're somebody who doesn't need monotony in your day and you like variance, then marketing is a great career path for you. And you were leading into this. I mean, misconceptions and assumptions that I hear from advisors on the daily basis are almost laughable sometimes because I don't know where they come from. I mean, they they say that their website isn't doing anything for them, so why should they have one? Or oh, yeah. social media is so stupid and it's going to go away, they're not going to get involved in it. Well, I hate to tell you guys, it's not going away. Yes. Uh, So I want to actually touch on each aspect of those different areas of marketing, what we're hearing as a misconception assumption, and then what reality is. Okay, so when it comes to website, this is one area that um, I really try to shift advisors and how they treat their website. Um, I'd say 99% of advisors treat their website as a brochure of their firm. They brain dump all of this information about themselves, about their business, about what they know, about what they can do. That's not how somebody who's looking for a financial advisor finds a firm. They put in specific searches into Google, such as, you know, best financial advisor or what are the fees my financial advisor is charging? What's the difference between a will and a trust? If you don't have content like that in your website, they're never even going to find your website. It's really important to treat your website as an informative piece that an investor would find relevant. Um, So for example, if they're looking for information on wills and trusts, but your website is filled with information about your firm and how experienced you are as an advisor, you're not positioning yourself as a thought leader. You're not positioning yourself as an expert. In fact, it can almost turn a client off when the moment they visit your site, all they find is information about you. You should be talking to your client. You should take it away from you and make it all about the client, all about the prospect. So that's a shift that I really have to get advisors to understand is talk to the person and what they're looking for. Share that content. If you can make that shift and along with that, give them opportunities to become prospects of your firm and and, and treat them as a lead, um, you'll actually start to notice that your website is your biggest source of lead generation um, more than any other marketing, marketing tactic, in my opinion. Um, one of the important things that advisors would need to do in shifting how they treat their website to generate leads is incorporate calls to action or opportunities where somebody could submit their name, phone number, email um, 
to get more information on your firm. Maybe they're getting added to your weekly market commentary, maybe by subscribing to your blog, maybe by downloading a free piece of content from your website. You have to think of ways to capture their information, and if you take the time to do it and set your website up right, you're going to notice a flood of leads to follow. Calls to action, or CTAs as we call them internally, are super important for inbound marketing. I think that's the difference of thinking old school is outbound marketing was back in the day where you had to knock on doors and make those phone calls. Exactly. And now we're asking our consumers to reach out to us. And Mm -hmm. it's not just our industry, it's every industry. Right. You have to think about your own habits of you're going out and doing research before you're contacting a dentist or uh, maybe you're looking for a contractor for your house. I mean, you aren't going to the first person you find on the website or your internet search. You're actually researching several people. When I look at advisors' websites, I cannot stand when they say, welcome to my website. It sounds like they're from 1980 or something. Well, and you know, I think that's part of it is a lot of advisors, they built their website years and years and years ago. They created it the one time and then they let it sit there. That's so common. So if that's something that advisors listening to this podcast do, you are not alone. Now, best practices and and the advisors who receive leads from their website, the important thing to do is continually put out relevant content. Google likes websites that say, see that they're regularly updated with good information. Um, their algorithm is very sophisticated, so it knows if you're producing new content and if that content is relevant for um, users who are in Google typing in specific keywords. So that's a very important step to take. But I'd say the biggest thing that I educate advisors on is don't treat your website as a brochure of your firm. Treat it as your biggest lead generation tool. Yeah, it's an extension of the brand that's living right. and breathing. And so once once an advisor can, you know, swallow that pill and realize like it's it's not about the advisor, it's about whoever is visiting your website and connecting them with the information that they're looking for. Once that shift is made, the next step is getting somebody to your website. And this is where social media comes into play. So this is another misconception that we hear all the time is why should I waste my time with social media? my current client base is not on there. I work with people who are already retired and they don't have social media accounts. Or I hate Facebook, it's so stupid. Or uh, LinkedIn is not gonna get me the type of clients that I want. Right. I hear that all the time and it's just not true. Yeah, so we have so many different stories of advisors who, you know, maybe it was, I I know one in particular recently that came across my plate was an advisor started um, on Twitter and they had um, a woman, she was 80 years old, found their weekly market commentary on Twitter, clicked on it, landed on the website, did some research on their firm, and ended up picking up the phone, calling for an appointment, and so they're in the process of converting her into a client. So despite what advisors think, your target audience is present on social media. In fact, the biggest demographic that's growing on Twitter is males age 55 plus, um, LinkedIn is a great source for, um, you know, professional contacts and reaching Business out that owners. way. Yep. And then Facebook is heavily populated with women. I think that the analytics are skewed more toward the female audience, but they're on Facebook several times throughout the day and following businesses that they like or different companies. Um, so we can hit all of our target audiences through those social media 
networks. Now, not all compliance departments will approve all three of those. Some of them may only approve LinkedIn, but you know, even if you're just doing one, it's better than zero. Ideally, what I recommend to advisors is create a business page for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Those are you know your business accounts, and then have individual accounts on LinkedIn and Twitter. We usually don't see advisors with individual accounts on Facebook. We prefer to have somebody choose to like your business and get the updates that way rather than bombarding your, your personal peers on Facebook with information that they didn't choose to receive from your firm. So this way, everyone can opt in and say, I'm going to follow you on Twitter. I'm going to like your business page. I'm going to connect with you on LinkedIn. They're making that step to choose that information from your firm, which is why we recommend those three social media accounts. Yes, and what I love about social media is the spiderweb effect. Yes. So obviously, connections are very important, number one, but it's also the ability for those connections to share and have their connections see what they're sharing or liking. Or even um, in the Facebook page, we like to utilize that as more of brand exposures, like showing your personality through maybe some uh, philanthropic events that you're doing. Yeah, community service is big. I think um, with social media, and this is really with all the content you produce in general, I educate advisors on not sounding robotic. You have to give your brand a personality. Show your personality on your personal LinkedIn page or your personal Twitter account. Sure, it's great to post your weekly market commentary and blog posts on those social media accounts. We absolutely recommend that, but don't be scared to, you know, show who you are as a person. I know Ron Carson is great at sharing his passions on social media. He does all the professional updates like we would recommend, but if he's enjoying a night out and a glass of wine, he'll, he'll post a picture of that. Or, um, you know, he loves Husker football, so he's not scared to say things like, you know, I'm excited that Scott Frost is our new head coach. He's showcasing himself as an individual beyond just a business owner. And I think that's what makes those personal collections connections with prospects and clients. Absolutely. They want to see your family. They want to see who you are because this is an emotional industry. So we need to bring the emotion up front and that makes the connections better for your clients and potential clients. And I do want to spend a quick moment mentioning the impact that social media has um, if you decide you're going to get active on it. So um, I, I have access to a lot of different websites, gosh, probably 60 plus websites where we're going on and looking at analytics regularly and consistently across the board. Once those websites are active on social media um, and they're sharing the content and having hyperlinks that direct somebody on the social media account back to the website, without a doubt, those social media accounts become the biggest referrer of traffic to those websites. Um, you know, we, we see, you know, on-air appearances with different studios. Um, you know, some people might share content via email blast, which is an, another thing we recommend. But across the board, the biggest generator of organic traffic to somebody's website is when they share those direct links on social media accounts. Um, even if you don't have a massive network of followers, one thing that happens is Google sees your website as trusted and authoritative. So there is a piece of Google's algorithm that recognizes this firm has these active social media accounts tied to the websites. We're going to rank them higher in the search engines. So if nothing else, maybe you're not accumulating followers and that maybe you're not um, you know, adding additional connections, but what you are doing is making Google happy, and we're all about making Google happy. So bigger the footprint, footprint more exposure. Exactly. Yep. 
Well, I mean, you can't argue with that. And that's why I get so frustrated when advisors are telling me something doesn't work when we have proof that it does. And it's just a matter of following the recipe and listening is really what it comes down to. I mean, if you aren't present out there on the internet today, you literally don't exist. Yeah. I think that's what's so hard is people want to know, how can I become number one on Google? What is the secret? And what I have to tell advisors, and this may not be what they want to hear, there is no one magic solution. If you do this one thing, you're going to be number one on Google. You're going to get all these leads. It's this formula of things that you have to do together that will significantly boost your presence. It requires a little bit of a time investment up front, but then once you get these accounts set up and once you get in the habit of posting, it's not a significant investment of time. Um, We've noticed that if you can do regular blogging, get active on social media, and regularly send email campaigns out, that your website performance is going to significantly improve. Well, you just mentioned blogging, so let's talk about that misconception. I hear all the time, I don't want to blog uh, because I don't have time. That's not a misconception, but... It is the, the reality of what it's in your space, yeah. So then the misconception comes when they are utilizing like a ghostwritten article, yep. and they will tell me that it won't work because so many other people are using that same article. And the fact of the matter is, is they can tweak it. I mean, that's not going to take a lot of time. Use this ghostwritten article, put a little bit of your own messaging in there, and it becomes unique enough then to actually work as a search engine optimization tool within your website. Yeah, so blogging has a massive impact on website performance. Um, This is one thing that I think advisors are scared to do because they don't know what to blog about. Finding the topic is oftentimes the hardest part. But once you do one to do two blog posts, I promise you it will become monumentally easier to think of topics. Here's some ideas on how you can generate a blog topic. Write your first blog on why you became a financial advisor. Everyone has some sort of reason why they got into this space. Which is your value proposition. Right. And if you can tell that unique story, it will be such an interesting read for your audience. Um, Another blog is and this is this is what a lot of people end up doing throughout their um, tenure of blogging is whatever cl- questions you're getting in that moment from clients or prospects, write a blog about it. So um, right now we're in the midst of tax season. Advisors are getting lots of questions from their clients on taxes. Um, so write a blog, uh, choosing one of those specific questions and answer it in the form of a blog. Another easy tip when it comes to blogging is if somebody Googles your firm and, you know, what search term would they put into Google that you want to be number one for? For Carson Wealth, I know that um, whenever somebody Googles best financial advisor Omaha, we want to be the top result. Well, we weren't the top result last year, so what we did is we added that specific term into almost every single blog post we we produced in 2017, and guess what? Just last week I found out we had a prospect call in. She Googled best financial advisor Omaha. She had previously been talking to a competitor of, of, of our firm, but when she put in that term, she saw our website as number one, so she called in, came in for, a, for an appointment, and she's in the process of moving her assets over to Carson Wealth. That is so exciting. That was so awesome because we worked really hard to you know optimize for that term, but what it took was adding that same term or that keyword into every single blog that was written. And those are just the little simple things you can do 
to make a big difference in how your website performs within the search engines. And the terms for this year may not be the same for next year. Right. Again, this is a constant changing industry, so we need to keep on top of it. And that's why it's important if you have a dedicated person on your team to deal with marketing, they can keep on top of this. But right. for those sole practitioners who are really, um, you know, they don't have that support right now, but as they grow, they may, they might. There are several providers out there that can do the automation for them and keep them active, and then uh, they can put in their unique voice when they find the time on those blogs, right. and that's where it becomes really significant. Right, exactly. Well, then how do we actually market face-to-face -face events, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think most advisors, if you ask them, how have you grown your business, majority of them would say through existing clients in the form of referrals. And then the next question is, you know, how do you do that? And I think you have to find a safe setting for a client to provide an introduction to your firm and the best opportunity to do that is in an event form. At Carstone Wealth, we host all sorts of events. There's workshops, there's educational seminars, there's social events. Our advisors take clients out to dinner, ask them to bring a guest. Um, we do different presentations, centers of influence uh, meetings. There's so many different events that happen, and I've seen a lot of different events work for clients bringing in you know, guests of the firm. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I know a lot of advisors as part of their marketing strategy incorporate events for that reason. Yeah, and I have an advisor spotlight here. So for those listeners who haven't heard us talk about the spotlight before, these are advisors writing into us, asking us questions that we will focus on during our episodes that it makes sense. So this is Caleb from Austin, Texas. He is planning an event, uh, but he wants to know how he gets prospects to the event that's a great question and that's something that we hear pretty regularly from advisors is how do i go and prospect to um you know a group of people that i want to bring in so one of the easiest ways you can do that is don't worry about cold prospecting leverage your existing clients um, with our partner offices what i educate them to do is identify your clients who would have the best opportunity to provide referrals to your firm and then segment those clients. So are most of those clients retired? Well, then focus on giving an educational workshop targeted toward an audience who's already living in retirement and discuss what are some of the important considerations you need to think about during your retirement years. Ask those clients to bring friends who are also retired. Even just bringing one guest. If each client brings one guest and you invite 10 clients, that's 10 prospects that you're bringing in who already are familiar with your firm because a friend of theirs had recommended them to you. But what happens is your clients don't have to sell the firm. I think that's what can be difficult for clients is, what am I supposed to say about what makes you different from other advisors? Well, they don't have to worry about saying those words. You can just present yourself as a subject matter expert, and I think that's going to sell the firm more than your client You know, providing a testimonial when they're not sure what to say. So I always say to get prospects to your events, leverage your clients. That's awesome. And then we can also focus on making those more intimate events so that that prospect doesn't get lost in the crowd and you can actually develop a relationship from get-go. Exactly, yep. So um, I've noticed that with advisors, when I follow up with them on 
how their event went and I always ask them how many prospects did you get in the room and how many of those prospects came in for follow-up meetings I'd say at least 90% of people who can actually get prospects there um, if it's an event like an educational workshop or seminar 90% of those people come in for follow-up meetings with their advisor and from there the advisor can determine are you the right fit for our firm Um, but getting them to the event is the first step And something we teach our uh, advisors here at Carson Group is to work through your passions on those events. I mean, take what you love and make it uh, an event that you can enjoy while bringing in new clients at the same time. Absolutely. Passion prospecting is a huge way to connect not only to your current clients, but also their friends who share similar interests as you. Then you're building more of a personal relationship at that point. Well, we kind of touched on the misconception of search engine optimization and the assumption behind the algorithms are going to do it all for you. Uh, But we said blogs are a big aspect of that. Uh, Getting the footprint out there through social media is a big aspect. Anything else you want to add to that misconception? You know, search engine optimization is probably the most important factor of my marketing strategy each year. If someone can't find you on Google, that's a big problem because they have to know more about your firm in in the form of your website. Um, They have to be able to find the information they're looking for. But in order to do that, you have to be discoverable within the search engines. So if you're not doing things to optimize your website, that's an important step to take. If, If I was an advisor who did not have a lot of time on my hands or somebody who could help me with my website, I would begin with post, you know, committing, blocking my schedule for an hour a week to produce new content in the form of a blog or something of that nature and add that to my website at least on a weekly basis. If you block yourself for one hour, you can churn out some good content during that time and then in turn get it added to your website. So that's the first step I would take. I'd also, again, promote that content via social media. That's the second step you can take. And then I would share that content with all my clients and prospects in the form of an email. That's the third step you can take. Additionally, if you can remember to do this, build those keywords that you want somebody to put into Google to find you into the content that you're going to write each week. You can just focus on doing those things. That will have a major improvement in your search engine optimization performance. Yeah, I mean, we have seen new advisors coming on to our partnership from what they did on their own to what we have designed. Increased traffic flow by, what is it, a thousand percent was our latest? Yeah, I mean, I have one partner. I did the analytics last week and they were 827% increase in traffic. That's amazing. I mean, it at least triples on day one of them moving to our platform just because Google sees all of the relevant content out there and it's finding that. So... It is a huge, important factor in your marketing strategy. And we have another advisor spotlight. So Kevin from Pensacola, Florida, I'll just read what he said. Ever since I was checking you guys out on your website, I now see pop-up ads on all my searches. You even pop up on CNBC and Pandora. How are you guys doing that? Are you stalking me? I get that question all the time. So what Kevin is referring to is something that we call retargeting ads. So what retargeting does is someone visits your website, they leave your website, and maybe they're going on to the websites you mentioned like CNN, CNBC, Yahoo Finance, even sometimes if you log into your email and you're checking your emails in like Hotmail, for example, there's a sidebar and you can see, you know, a website's ad that you've already visited. So 
Google AdWords is keying up the advertisements for, to a user or a visitor who has already been on your website. And then every time they go to a website that's tied into Google AdWords, they're going to be exposed to your ad. Um, even you know in Omaha, we run those retargeting campaigns for Carson Wealth, and we have our local media outlets, Omaha.com. All those local publications are tied into Google AdWords, but also on a national scale. So it's great for your visibility locally, regionally, nationally. And the great thing about retargeting is, is you don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars per month to get that exposure. You can kind of determine the budget you want to set. And, um, and then once you hit a max number of clicks per day, then your ad will no longer be served up on those sites. And what I love about them is that it's all about timing with someone, right? No matter what industry you're in, you know, I get retargeted from any shopping sites that I'm on. Oh, yeah, you look at a pair of shoes and then you Mm -hmm. go to another website and those shoes are there and you're like, how does this website know I want those shoes? And two months later, I'm buying them. Yeah. It's so crazy because two months ago, you know, I wasn't ready. I didn't need them for anything. And then it reminded me I really loved those shoes. And now I I have a wedding coming up, so I need to purchase them. And that's really what it is for our industry, too. Maybe they're not ready to make a switch to a new advisor today. But if you are popping up on every search they're doing, uh, then it could be a good fit in six months or a year. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the purpose of retargeting is, you know, I think the average time somebody needs to be exposed to your ad is 8 to 12 times before it actually resonates with them. So um, when advisors understand what retargeting is, they're worried that they're going to annoy people. And my response back to that is they probably aren't really noticing it the first few times, but after seeing it several times, then they're going to realize, oh my gosh, this ad is stalking me. But it does get that that brand exposure (laughs) out there. Exactly. Well, I want to get more granular in the sense of what worked for us as Carson Wealth Management, as our other 52 partners that we have in Carson Group. I mean, we saw a growth number of 41.290, no, (laughs) 41.29%. So that was a year-over-year growth our partners saw on average. What can we attribute back to that? So when I look at growth as it pertains to marketing strategy, I'm going to reference something I said earlier in there's not this magical one thing that you can do that's going to make you grow 41.29% or 290 as you said. (laughs) Um, It's not one thing. The partners that grew at that percent rate, they started to understand like what they should do from a marketing standpoint. They were bought in. They stopped saying social media is not going to work for me and they said, I'm going to try social media. Um, so, you know, they did they did that. I'd say when I looked at the partners who grew the most last year, um, they were doing active blogs, they were actively posting on social media, and they were regularly deploying email campaigns to their clients and prospects. What that did was generated additional website traffic for them. When you generate more traffic, you generate more leads. When you generate more leads, you have more opportunity to convert those leads into clients. So we noticed a big difference in, in our partner offices who said, okay, I'm ready to get active in marketing. They were engaged throughout the year. They were following our marketing recommendations. They didn't make the excuse. They made the commitment and they executed. 
it doesn't take massive amounts of time. I think, you know, they just identified who is going to own and be accountable for marketing this year. Let's make it a part of their job duties. Maybe they're only taking one to two hours per week to focus on marketing. Maybe they're taking half of their day to do marketing. And then eventually some partners are like, this is really working for us. Let's bring somebody on full time. And they had a justified reason to do so because they're getting so many leads that they needed somebody to focus on nurturing those leads and generating more leads. Mm-hmm. And those leads can lead into hosting events for them to get to know them. Exactly. And making the conversion that much easier. Right. So we talked about last year. Let's look into this year. 2018, what are initiatives that you have written for our partners? Well, big focus in 2018 for our partner offices will be marketing automation. We're creating new content that's optimized to be discovered on the search engines. Um, That content will be gated in the form of landing pages. That way, when somebody wants to download the content, they put in their information and our advisors get a lead that way. Um, We're doing some search engine optimization work on the websites to help them perform better. And that way, more people have the opportunity to download that content and become leads of our partner offices. Another big focus in 2018 is, you know, last year we rolled out our client dashboard technology. It is just a revolutionary tool for advisors, and we're just going to continue to enhance our technology. We believe that technology is an ever-evolving tool. As our partners provide feedback on what more they want it to do, we're going to deliver on that. So I think that's really unique for our firm is many times people roll out technology and then they don't touch it and it becomes stale. That won't be the case with our technology tools. So we're going to enhance our technology and make it better than it was yesterday, which is already great. (laughs) And we're built by advisors for advisors. That's what makes us unique. And we, I go back to my first statement, you know, we think about the client experience first. Right. And that's huge in our space because there's so many that aren't taking that fiduciary standard. And we started from the very beginning of the first time we interact with them. Uh, I think we covered a lot today. We did, yeah. Uh, What should advisors be thinking about beyond this year? You know, I think one thing that I just encourage advisors to do is, like I mentioned when we first kicked off this podcast, every advisor loves marketing, but they don't have time to focus on it. When you think about clients and growing your business, you really do have to dedicate the time to market your your practice, Um, but it doesn't always have to be on you. Maybe find somebody in your office that can take the time to help you with it. Maybe hire an intern. Do you have, you know, a a teenager in your your home that could help you with some things? We have advisors that do that. And just get the ball rolling because once you get started, you're going to be able to do more. And then you're going to want to add more because you're going to see that it's working. But the first step is just to get started on it. Now, a couple trends that we're noticing with marketing that we think are really going to impact what's happening is rise of the podcast. We're doing a podcast right now. Um, We notice more people love podcasts and they're looking for information in the form of podcasts. If you're listening now, you're one of them. So, you know, that's something that an advisor could consider. Um, You can promote the podcast on your website, on social media, via email blasts. Um, We also notice there is a rise of voice searches. When you think of Siri, when you think of Alexa and people doing voice searches, that's changing how people are doing content marketing. When you do a voice search, it's a lot easier to do a longer search term than when you're typing it in on your phone or on your computer. So think of that. If you're doing a voice search and somebody's trying to find a financial advisor, what might they say? Write a blog about it. So we see that as a way that's shaping the future of marketing strategy. 
I love it. It never stops being exciting and uh, always coming up with new ideas to bring in leads, but quality leads is something we strive for. So continue to listen. We'll always incorporate marketing into our episodes. Uh, but we're happy that you joined us today. Listen to us next time. If you have any questions about today's episode, uh, please email us. It's info at carsongroup.com. Or if you'd like to learn more about how our experts are helping our partners and our advisor members in our coaching program, then check us out on carsongroup.com. Thank you for listening to the Financial Advisors Playbook. If you're interested in learning more about how we make the complex simple for financial advisors and the investors they serve, check us out at carsongroup.com. To hear additional episodes or suggest a topic of discussion, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.